Hi, welcome to What the CF, episode six. This is the final episode of this series. So this series has been dedicated to diagnosis. So thank you to everybody who's listened, liked, comments, shared, and who obviously has taken part in the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, We had a great episode last week, which was the dad's episode. Had some brilliant feedback again to say thank you, that they were also great and articulate. Uh, A comment to say um, that they really enjoyed listening to the episode and that they learned a lot. And that's something that... I'm so pleased to hear because not only are we supporting families and making people feel less alone, but we're also educating and helping friends of people um, who have CF in their family and actually supporting them. So that's really great to hear. So thanks again for letting us know. This week, I'm chatting to Eilish Moroni, who is the author of Our Baby Has 65 Roses. Um, She is the mother of a two-year-old with CF. And she wrote the book when her two-year-old was only a few months old. She's based in Ireland. And um, she actually informed me in the podcast uh, when we were chatting that Ireland has the highest incidence of cystic fibrosis in the world. Approximately one in 19 Irish people are said to be a carrier of one of the older genes that causes cystic fibrosis. So that's something uh, I didn't know. There's a... uh, what the CF fact bomb for you there. Uh, so that's really interesting. So I had a great chat with her. We talked way more about everything than we ever did the book itself. <laughs> but we do obviously cover the book and listen to the full episode to find out how you can win a copy of Our Baby Has 65 Roses for yourself. We've got two copies to give away. So listen to the end of the podcast and hear the question and how to enter. Okay, take it away. Eilish Moroni is joining me today on What the CF uh, Cystic Fibrosis podcast. Hi, Eilish. Hi, Ingrid. How are you doing? I'm good. Good evening to you. Good morning to me. <laughs> yeah. So where are you at the moment? I am sitting in my sitting room in Selbridge, County Kildare in Ireland. So how old is Aveen, your daughter? She's two and a half. She's two, two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And what age, yeah. what age did she get diagnosed with CF? So she was diagnosed when she was three weeks old through the heel prick test. So I got a phone call when she was three weeks old from the um, pediatric unit in uh, one of the local hospitals here to say that um, they um, had received the results of her heel prick test and that they were concerned that she could possibly have cystic fibrosis. So um, obviously anyone who has received that phone call knows what it's like. Horrible, and the nurse was just fabulous and spent so much time on the phone with me and told me that I could ring her back throughout the day if I had any questions that she would answer. And asked for myself and my husband to bring Aveen to the hospital the next morning. But I remember when I listened to your first podcast, when you were saying that you got the phone call to bring Orson into the hospital there and then, that like we were just told literally, like, bring her in the next morning. And you just knew it was serious because they were saying like so early in the morning, nine o'clock. And then we got her diagnosis the next day. It's so frightening when they uh, when that happened, because I literally and I we had a family therapy session um, about this. And he said, oh, you know, what was your fear when, um, you know, when you found out? And I said literally that I thought he was going to die. I just I that was the first thought that came into my head when they said we have to go to hospital now yeah that's that's what went through my head and I hadn't Mm -hmm. said that out loud until until we had that kind of chat about it and I still don't even like saying it 
but it, mm. in reality that is in reality what what went through my head and i think that for a lot of people um outside this experience um or even who are trying to support people um that's why that's part of the reason you go through a grief because you it's so unknown because did you know anything about cf before you had your diagnosis um no like as in i knew that cystic fibrosis was a lung disease that was about it you know i didn't know anything about it um and obviously i got a rude awakening <laughs> when when i met the team and they told me everything about it so um yeah it was such a huge shock it's always something that you think you see maybe in the newspaper or you hear about on the radio and you know you just don't think that it's going to happen to you or your baby and you're not just learning about a diagnosis you're just all of a sudden learning about your genes and it's just there's just so much to take in that you know it's it's overwhelming I think for the first year you know I didn't know how I felt and when I look back I can just sum it up in one word and that's just fear it was like you were saying I was just I was just I was just terrified I was so scared like I was scared what if Avian got sick um, and how how I would would I be able to mind her? Like, was I going to be strong enough to mind her? Was I going to be good enough to mind her? She's my first baby. Anytime she had a cough or a cold, I would think, is this CF or is this normal baby? Like, I didn't have a clue. Oh, I go through that. He's my second baby, and I go through is a, is it is that a CF cough or a, a cough? But you know, this is your first baby. But having had a, a baby before, everyone tells you everything, and everyone's kind of like, oh, they've got to get sick. Oh, let them get sick. Let them heal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. don't make a fuss yeah. about this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, but Harrison was never sick again. Touch wood. Um, yeah. Harrison didn't even have a cold until after a year old. Um, yeah. And Orson got sick after about six, seven weeks old. Um, so we found out when he was six months old because of, well, you've listened to the podcast, because of him yeah. getting a cough. Yeah. And I think I semi maybe was trying to be more chill about it because he was second baby and because everyone's like, oh, they all get sick. Oh, they all. And when I kept going back to the doctor, the doctor kept saying, oh, you know, when they're this young, their immune system's not built mm. up yet. So it can take them a while to get rid of these things. And then it was like, OK, well, he's had it for coming on to two months now. Can we please do something about it? Um mm. But yeah, it is, it is a, a whole different ball game, and definitely that fear thing, um, which is what I think you start to come out of. Because one thing I've noticed as well, that if anyone who's outside CF, what they tended to know about it was um, not living with CF, but dying with CF. I still, yeah. still find it, I hate saying that stuff, but that's the reality of what has been out there. So I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from, because when you Google, you see life inspectancy you see all the horrible stuff yeah. and um episode two of the podcast i speak to a field worker here um from mm -hmm. cfnz and and she's she talks much more about living with cf and how people choose yeah. to live their lives and living well and enjoying their life um and it's kind of that switch to well this is what it is this is what he's got the treatments yeah. are good treatments are getting better all the time better, yeah. but they know so much more now mm. than they've known and hopefully continue to know and one thing I thought about with COVID is obviously it's a respiratory thing lots of research has gone into respiratory care in the last year yeah. more than probably in the last decade that could yeah. end up helping them as well so yeah but I think it could be this double-edged sword that we could all come out our little babies might be very well protected at the end of this and also and I heard you say this as well like you know, say 
maybe up until 18 was a year old, you know, when people came in, I would say like, you know, wash your hands, put antifax on, you know, take off your shoes. And then maybe after she was over one, I thought, okay, do I continue this? Am I a bit OCD? And now I just feel I'm totally justified in all the things. Did you wash your hands? Did you put antifax on? Like take off your shoes. I don't, I don't care. Now I feel like COVID has just justified why I say this, you know, it's like, wash your hands shoes off oh it's it's really helped um really helped but I I feel like I've gone uh because you don't forget but you do forget because you get in those social situations and I talk about this in the podcast um with the mums episode um you know that people just go to hold the baby or and then I'll Mm. I'll realize uh they haven't might not wash their hands Mm -hmm. or whatever and you kind of get to a point but then like my neighbor often um reaches over and cuddles Orson and I just that's fine because, you know, that it's more like I think having a cuddle is probably more beneficial to him um, rather than going, oh, can you run in and wash your hands? Um, I think there has to be some sort of line around it. it is. Um, I know even at the start as well, I washed my hands so much, you know, like before COVID when Avian was born that I had like my hands, my poor hands were destroyed. And, you know, I had cuts and sores. And then I was just thinking, OK, like, you know, this, this isn't healthy either because now I actually have bacteria on my hands because I'm over cleaning my hands and my hands are so sore. So I had to just come to a middle ground and say, like, you don't have to keep washing your hands the whole time. And then at the start of COVID, you know, and everyone was saying, oh, my hands are so sore and my hands are, you know, they're cracked. And I was just thinking, yeah. Welcome to our yeah. world. Yeah. So with the Jeanette, so did you find out your genes? So um, my husband and I both carry the Delta F508 gene. And to add a bit of humor, I mean, when we were told that, you know, the day that Avian had cystic fibrosis and we were in the hospital and they came in and said, basically they did the sweat test and they couldn't get enough salt for whatever they get from the sweat test. To be honest, I, I just know that they do it and, you know, <laughs> that has to be done. So they couldn't get enough out of her salt because for the first three weeks, you know, um, Avian, she was feeding all the time and I was feeding her myself and when the public health nurse came into the house, she said to me, oh, my goodness, like round up the kids in the neighborhood. Why do you have so much milk? And I, I said, I, like, I, I don't I don't know. You know, this is my first baby. And, you know, she was trying to help Avian to latch on. I had so, so much milk. Then we got a lactation consultant out of the house and she said the same thing. Why do you have so much milk? You know, she asked me, when did my milk come in? She said, your milk came in so early. That's really unusual. So then she was telling me, cut porridge out of your diet she was telling me foods to cut out to reduce my milk supply and she was looking at my baby saying okay like your baby you know she's she's she, you know she's she's fine you know she's she's not like ginormous but like why are you do you have so much milk and then my husband was making me like this is not a joke three to four dinners a day and he was saying to me Eilish you're eating me out of house and home you know like I can't keep you fed and then literally we went in we got Avian's diagnosis put her on the enzymes and straight away you know my milk supply regulated we got to leave for a walk I was in a whatsapp group with moms in the area then that I had met through a pregnancy class and I put in a question coming up to the three weeks that seemed so crazy I actually asked are people able to get changed because I was just in my feeding bra and Avian was just on my boob and I was walking around the place and I like first time mom I put the question in the group saying like are is anyone else getting dressed like is are you actually able to leave the house and the girls were saying yeah you know we're leaving the house we're leaving the house and I was saying to Ken 
I like, what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, you know, I can't even put a top on because I'm going, she knows she's hungry again. And then she would poo it all out and, or she would throw it all up. And then I'd start again and a feed could maybe last three hours. And then as soon as I got the diagnosis and I rang the nurse and we had a great chat and I cried literally like for two hours on the phone. And I said to her, like, if you were giving out to me saying what I what was I doing up at night for like, you know, for these really long feeds. And we actually laughed about it because she said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't know, you know, and we, we could laugh, you know, in between the tears. But as soon as Aideen got her enzymes, then that Saturday, she got a diagnosis on the Thursday. We went for a walk. We got to leave the house. We got to go for a walk. So she literally was just so hungry all the time so, because nothing was staying in her body. Nothing was staying in her body. But so it's good I, you had that milk supply because she was okay. getting like it was continuously going in. But um, yeah. I haven't heard that before, but that makes complete yeah. sense because yeah. there was nothing staying in her body. So Nothing staying. And, you know, coming up to the day of the diagnosis, you know, we could see that she was cramping. And, like, you know, you were saying that you were persisting with your son's cough, you know, and... I was looking at Avian and I didn't have any other kids, but there was just something in my mind saying, I think this little lady needs more than I can give her. Mm. I'm giving her everything I've got, everything I've got. And, and it's still not I right. know I'm new to it and I know she's only small, but I just, I just knew she needed more than what I could give her. And my husband had said to me, I think, I think we need to take her to the doctor because she was kind of making noise and holding her little fists when she, you know, her tummy was sore. And I, in that book, it says like, you know, her tummy aches were, were making her sore and then that the poos were oily and they were frequent and I would feed her and she would just like poo it out and I'd feed her again and maybe she'd get sick and then I'd feed her and then maybe she'd settle for a while. But, you know, she's a really good little kid and she was always very content in those first three weeks. And then as soon as we got the enzymes, when you look at the pictures of like the week before the diagnosis and literally like I'm talking two or three days later, it's just the weight just started piling on her. And a week later, she was a completely different looking child. You know, mm. she, our, the birth was, was tough and we had to use the forceps and um, the suction cap. So she had little marks and, you know, they were still there at three weeks. And I was thinking, should they still be there? Like she's feeding so much. Surely they should be gone down, you know, by now. And literally within two or three days of getting the enzymes, everything went. So I just often thought when I think back, I think her little body was just using whatever it could get to like survive. And everything else was just literally like, no, I can't even begin to heal there because she she was just trying to survive. And her skin all started peeling as well. And that's a sign as well that I didn't know, you know, that I've heard of other babies because they're they are malnourished and they, they're not getting the vitamins from the milk and the good the goodness that their their skin it's, it's like a snake's peeling the skin all her little skin started to peel it's so interesting because I feel like there's a default and probably even with professions people that work around new mothers and birth that they're going to freak out they're going to question everything it's going to be hard So it's almost like you wouldn't be heard with that stuff and where you would probably, like you were questioning in your group, but Mm. it would have taken, like, looking back on it, you're like, oh, somebody should have straight away seen this baby's feeding all the time, they're pooing too much and, Mm. yeah, just not thriving in the way she was. Obviously, it was only three weeks, but three weeks is a long time for a little baby. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And you do wonder, like, um, with, you know, part of this podcast is to build awareness around this kind of stuff. But you think, like, mm-hmm. you were you were sitting there, it took you a while to go, this can't be right, can mm-hmm. it? Because <laughs> you kind of yeah. feel like, well, this must, everyone always says it's terrible and that it's hard. And so you think, yeah. well, this just must be what it's like because you don't know any any different. And actually, even if, if you've had children, they're also different anyway, that you still mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily know. Um, I think all the mums I spoke to, in my mum's episode, they were first time mums. I'm I don't know someone else where it was their second child, which was yeah. which is our our situation. And I instantly thought, oh, what if Harrison has it too? Yeah. Um, which they said is highly unlikely in because of the fact that he had never been sick in any way. Yeah. Um, which he hadn't. They they think by you know, he would have had repeated chest issues. Um, he has had the sweat tests and came back negative. But whenever he gets a cough, like sometimes I hear him coughing at night or something, um, I I instantly go, oh, should I double check again? Because Orson's sweat test was borderline. So I'm like, well, what if he's just got a mild version and we don't know? So we still get nervous about about that. But we have to, you know, he, he's, he seems to be um, doing fine. But yeah, that initial... And what's interesting, the more I talk to people, is everybody's experience is so different. Like your experience is completely different from yeah. the other the other women I've spoken to, um, and I think that must have been so difficult because breastfeeding is hard. Like establishing yeah. breastfeeding, and especially getting like engorged like that, where you're just thinking, like, I don't know what's going on. And yeah, you do eat. I mean, the amount of food you need to eat when when you're mm. breastfeeding, but especially if you were just constantly having to give her more yeah. and more. Um, so I'm so glad that um, she got her diagnosis early and and got settled yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so the main reason that we are having a chat here is obviously um, because you're the other side of the world in Ireland, but you have actually written a book called Our Baby Has 65 Roses. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? What prompted you to write the book? Yeah, so I am a primary school teacher and I... I suppose I'm really interested in early kind of the early education side, the early education years and um, working through play. And um, we teach a lot through play now in Ireland and use like play based, play based, play based learning to kind of teach different themes and different skills. And a lot of the time we use a story as a stimulus. And just I think stories are brilliant and that, you know, they can um, help people um, deal with different emotions and they can broach and um, really difficult and uncomfortable topics. And so I just thought, okay, surely there must be a story on cystic fibrosis because I have a niece and a nephew. And at the time they were, I think, three and two, three and one. Particularly my niece is three, is like an avid reader and I'm really close to her. So obviously great excitement about me having the baby. And um, I just felt that like they were picking up on the energy because it was chaotic. And I just wanted them to know that, you know, this is what had happened and that like it's oh it was it's okay, you know, like it you you know, avian has cystic fibrosis and this is what cystic fibrosis is. And I just felt that it needed to be explained in an age appropriate manner. But really when I when I wrote so I wrote the story because I just couldn't believe I genuinely couldn't believe that there was no modern literature on it. You know, I just I just you know, I couldn't believe that. And really, I wrote it, it sounds corny, but I wrote it for me. Like, it was my way of healing. Like, it's my story. I, in, in the story, I wrote, write the book from the eyes of the big brother. 
because oftentimes and I, I said this to you in the email I sent that I just thought oh my goodness like how do you deal with a diagnosis a CF diagnosis of your kid if you have other children because like you know I, I cried a lot and I was glad that you know if I was crying Aileen didn't know because she was still small and I just thought that that must be so hard if you have to be strong for your kid and you're trying to mind this new child with CF who's a baby and you're trying to get your head around the diagnosis so the story is my story except it's from you know the eyes of a bigger brother like I said we don't have another kid and it just literally kind of came to me Aileen was six months old and the nice part about the story is that Ruth illustrated the story and Ruth is also a mother to a child with CF and Ruth oh. lives in the Ruth. Yeah, she's from the town next to me. And my cousin was buying Christmas cards from Ruth because Ruth is a graphic designer by, by trade. And when her son was diagnosed and she had a daughter shortly afterwards, she decided that she was going to stay at home and she was going to set up her own company called Duck Blue. She makes beautiful cards and they're fabulous and um so um, my cousin had bought cards from Ruth and Ruth had a sign up to say that you know a percentage of the proceeds from the Christmas card sales were going to Cystic Fibrosis Ireland so my cousin just started chatting to her saying oh you know I was in the next town and my little girl was just under two months old had received a CF diagnosis and Ruth said um here's my card and when she wants to reach out to me and when she wants to chat tell her to ring me so initially we just rang and we met up because I just wanted to talk to somebody and then I wrote the book and then I had seen some of her designs online and I just reached out and I said I know you do cards but like I've written the story and I don't know like do you want to read it and if you like it do you want to do some drawings and she said yeah and it was a huge success and we had a book launch and it's selling around the world and it's in all the libraries in Ireland and in all the hospital libraries and the support here at home has been fantastic like from our local libraries and um, they've been absolutely brilliant and um, yeah like it just you know cystic fibrosis is quite prevalent in Ireland we have the highest incidence rate for capture in the world so mm -hmm. you know it's yeah um, so it's you know it's it's kind of like a case where I think everybody knows somebody with cystic fibrosis. You know, it's it's so it how is many very people? Prevalent. How many people are living with cystic fibrosis in Ireland? I think the latest figures are thirteen hundred. What's the population in Ireland? Oh, I'm not sure. Is it five million or? All oh, right, <laughs> yeah. Know. So it's similar to here. So it's quite yeah, because we we've got around five hundred and thirty people. The book is going down really well, and it was really nice to to write it and um, it was a really good distraction for me. Avian was a couple of months old and it really got me through the day because I would be like, you know, <laughs> I'd say, okay, I put it down for a nap and then I'd be like, okay, I'll, you know, I'd be emailing people and also like the communication side of things I loved. I loved that I could actually talk to somebody or be sending emails because I found it really lonely, you know, being at home. I at the start for me personally, I was so scared. You know, I didn't know could I bring people into my house? I didn't know like could we go into places? I was, you know, I was scared to go to the shopping centres. I was scared to go to a cafe. I was scared to bring people in. It was very lonely, you know, and before Aileen was born, I had like, you know, done these pregnancy classes. I had set up my group. I had seen other, you know, things that we would do. And then I was a bit, you know, a bit scared. Now I have to stay where I live. It, it's fabulous. And the, you know, I've made great friends and, 
even there was like a yoga for babies and um, in the local mill here and I went down beforehand and met the lady who was hosting the class and she was fabulous and she said can I keep anything here for, for you like she wanted to learn about CF she had no knowledge of what she was she said can I keep enzymes here for you can I keep the apples here for you you know people are just so kind everybody wanted me to take part you know and um people were really unbelievable and even just friends and friends I met before and you know people would always be very very um just kind and and even before COVID would say like I've anti-backed my kids hands you know and just I wouldn't have to say it so I just felt very lucky in that that people were just really really good that's really lovely to hear and my neck my neck hurts from nodding so much about all the fear and as anyone listening to it a parent with a CF child um that fear of can mm. I do, still do the normal things? I think I mm. may have said it before on the podcast, but about taking Orson to a, a play group, which I now do, um, mm-hmm. not not so much recently. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much he'll go for a couple of weeks and then normally he gets sick. <laughs> um, but I think he's got an older brother, so he's he's getting germs all the time. Um, yeah. Um, so that's difficult to avoid, but he loves play groups so much. And I feel yeah. like with my first son, I went to baby sensory. We went to wriggle and rhyme classes. We had a thing in New Zealand called space, which is a, a class you do um, with your baby until they're, Oh, I don't even know how, like it's like at least six months long and you meet every week and it's a government funded program. And um, I, I still have friends from that group. Um, and it's nice watching, sharing and watching the kids grow up together. Um, and so I felt really like Orson missed out on that. But I think anyone who had the diagnosis in the pandemic here, which we have, um, mm. all the babies, CF or not, are missing out on that stuff. So that also yeah. sort of makes it easier. And um, I just yeah. wanted to reiterate in case anybody who's listening doesn't know about the term 65 roses, um, which dates back to a story from 1965 when a four-year-old child overheard their mother talking about cystic fibrosis and misheard it um, as 65 roses. And because it's such a cute reference, that's kind of yeah. stuck. So when people talk about 65 roses, they are actually saying cystic fibrosis so your book our baby has 65 roses um really utilizes that term uh, particularly in one final page of the book which is really lovely um which we won't spoil but it's just a nice use of that that term um i funnily enough you were talking about having that thing i i went to the i'm going to write a book thing as well mm. <laughs> and thought about doing that initially and then obviously um lots of other stuff happened and the podcast it's the similar thing where I gave myself mm. a project um yeah. and people are kind of like how do you do it how do you find time um but I gave myself a project around CF and maybe it's a weird sort of protective bubble around yeah. learning and absorbing yourself in CF but having another reason to do it I don't know I'm not quite sure um because sometimes I feel a bit overwhelmed that I'm just CF all day every day which can be too much sometimes um but at the same time maybe that's what you need initially to just kind of adjust to it all um having said that when I've finished recording these episodes I've got this one and one more to record and Ian's doing one good few months off I think (laughs) because it is full-on listening and talking because you have these conversations over and over and share other people's diagnosis which is actually good but you do you you do feel it every time 
Um, and then I'm re-listening to it over and over <laughs> to edit and put it all together. Um, but I really, uh, I love the book. What I liked about the book, as you said, that you want to explain it all. Um, drop my pen. Um, you do cover um, the, the actual medication side of things in, mm. in a children's book. And I think anyone with siblings understands, you know, the siblings tend to get involved with the treatments and that kind of thing. So being really upfront about, oh, this is the medicine that helps them yeah. um, is a really nice thing. Um, we do the PATS, the physio, um, and our eldest gets involved with that and sometimes a little bit too vigorously. <laughs> he's like, I'll do it. And he's like whacking him on the back and stuff. And it's like, well... That's good, but maybe just a bit more gentle. Um, but yeah, so that's quite nice to so that they're fully aware because there's no point hide. Well, you can't hide it because you've got to do it so often. But just so that yeah. they kind of it gives them a bit of uh, um, you know knowledge is power. Gives them a bit of power to understand yeah. and be able to answer those questions if people ask because people people inevitably will. Um, and normalize it to see your life on a book, you know. I think it's really important and I think it's important for kids to see other kids lives on books you know it's it's um not all happy clappy you know and this is life and this builds resilience you know I think being comfortable with uncomfortable feelings and just just seeing that like you know that this is normal you know that this is this is life and I think it's important as well that the kids see a pet mask and their ball and their enzymes in a book because you know like even when I'm doing make like play playing like with Avina for playing like um like make-believe play and sometimes she says she loves hot chocolate so she'll say mommy will you make me a hot chocolate and we'll pretend to make a hot chocolate and I'll say to her did you take your enzymes because sometimes I forget and then I'm saying well that's not her reality like I can't in make-believe play knock give her enzymes and then in real life say here are your enzymes you know it's to try and integrate it full circle and everybody says that everything just becomes part of your everyday life when initially it's so overwhelming um, to think about all these different things that that are different from what you imagined um, having a child would be. Um, there's one thing I have actually always been aware of um, with having kids, which always surprises me about a lot of other people. It's you know, one of the reasons to, to really... Um, think about when and when you want to start a family is because you really don't know what you're going to get when it comes to children um, yeah. personality and or you know something like CF um, and you can't be prepared for it but it that's why you really want to know that you you want children Correct. because children are, are hard <laughs> it's really hard um, it's the best most rewarding and exhausting and um, brilliant job all wrapped into one um, but you don't know what you're no. going to get. And it's, it's, I haven't yet met anyone who, um, you know, was, was aware to think, oh, I might go get genetic testing before I get pregnant, just in yep. case there's a chance yeah. that we have a genetic disorder. And it does uh, make me thankful, like I'm a bit, an older mum. Um, and I feel like that's been an advantage to a certain extent for a lot of reasons. Um, but especially with this, with having the ability to ask the question, you know, I'm old enough that I'm comfortable enough to ask the right questions. Not that you can't yeah. when you're younger, but I know me when I was younger, yeah. I would have this, I would have dealt with this in, in a much different, a very different way than I think I have. Yeah. 
yeah, just the general thing of having a project. And I completely relate to that because I am doing the same thing. Um, And I I enjoy it and regret it on a daily basis. Um, And I've generally been someone who hasn't uh, put their heart on their sleeve very much um, until this situation because you can't not and you can't not. And I think that's another thing with the podcast is, um, which I've said is, um, it might surprise people, but me and Ian are actually really quite private people about personal stuff. Um, yeah. You know, we have social media channels and this kind of stuff, but we've always done media work or um, kept things kind of at a distance. And with this, yeah. we've actually completely put it out there, which yeah. I wasn't sure whether it, that was the right thing to do or not. And I probably won't know until years to come. And I hope Orson doesn't mind. And I'm really sorry, Orson, if you do. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it is semi a sort of coping mechanism of having a project and having something and feeling like you're doing something for the community because yeah. we're getting really nice feedback um, from people that it, that it's helped them and they've related to it and they feel yeah. like, oh, I felt that way. And it, it's quite and nice I, to have that. I, I think it's great because, you know, with cystic fibrosis, like some people don't know that you can't, like the kids can't meet up. So it's not like you can say, come over to my house and we'll let the kids play because people with cystic fibrosis, you know, aren't supposed to be within two or three meters of one another for fear that they pass around books to one another. And people don't know that. And, you know, this community, particularly say for me right now during the pandemic, when I'm not really meeting anybody, it's really nice to have this podcast because I can hear what other CF parents are going through. So I can imagine it's really tough to make because you're like absorbing all of these stories and you're like trying to mind your son and, you know, it's, you're you know, still coming to terms with his diagnosis. But I think it's a really great idea because when I saw this, I thought, oh, brilliant, because it just you don't feel as alone when you hear other people. And, you know, particularly during a pandemic, it is quite lonely, especially with the same thing as your book. It's making it visible. A mom that I um like a friend put me in contact with her. She has a daughter with CF, and I rang her at the start because I was ringing like everybody because I just wanted somebody to tell me that it was going to be okay. And that that was my I was like, can somebody just tell me this is going to be okay? Who can I talk to? Like, can somebody just tell me it's going to be okay? Because that's just how my frame of mind was, and I just wanted to talk to everybody who had a kid with CF and just see how they were. And I remember at the time, you know, I actually said to people like, do you laugh? Do you, are you laughing? Are you happy? Because I was so scared. You know, I was like, oh, like, tell me that you're smiling. Tell me that you're laughing. Because I just couldn't see myself doing that again. That's, it was just yeah. a crazy time. But I remember one mom saying to me, you know, no one is going to say the right thing to you. People will be over sympathetic and they're just going to piss you off. And then people will be under sympathetic and they're also going to piss you off because they're going to downplay it. And then she said, then you're going to get the people who'll just send you mask cards because that's a typical Irish thing to do. And then, you know, you're like, I don't want your mask cards. You know, like, my child is fine. So she just warned me at the very beginning. She said, just be prepared. No one is going to say the right thing to you. I've had to bite my tongue at times as well because people don't understand. And then people will say to me, oh, I heard about this person with CF and they're this age or whatever, you know, and you're like, I just can't even go there. You know, I can't oh, even go there. And that's my most hated, know. my most hated thing is like, I know someone who's alive with CF. It's kind of like, that's basically what you're telling me. Um, but that's the, that is, that is the brilliant piece of advice that your mum gave you there, which I wish someone had told me. So I really want to stress that one for anyone listening who's just had that diagnosis. 
No one is going to say the right thing because that is spot on. And I'm still like that. Like we're a year in um, of being in the CF world and I still am quite angry by yeah, people. But yeah. I, I'm just, I'm not angry. I'm angry at, at how people act around it. Yeah. And I'm angry at the laziness that people don't yeah. Google it. Like when we did announce it, we made a point of here's the information, here's the basic overview, but go to CFNZ. Here's some information, like this is where, you know, genetics and mutations and all this kind of stuff. Do the work for so we don't have to, basically, because we know it, yeah. but I don't, I, that's what I'm already, I've got a, um, a event that we're going to with people that we haven't seen probably since Awesome was born. Yeah, I would say we haven't seen them. And I know that the mums are going to sit down and then ask me questions. And I'm already like, can I just t- tell them to piss off? <laughs> can I say, I just don't want to talk about it. I talk about CF all the time. Um, yeah. You know, it's not a hidden thing. You can find out loads about it or you could listen to my yeah. podcast. But that's a part of the reason I made the podcast, because I want to send it to people and say, I wouldn't believe that people say. So your mum's yeah. advice of nobody's going to say the right thing is just spot on that was actually it was another cf mom it was another cf mom who told me that oh it wasn't your mom my, my mom gives me great advice as well <laughs> but that was another cf mom and you know if um i don't know do you want to chat about that but it was actually my mom and she has said i can say it's her but she has a you know a lung condition and after avian was born because of how my mother's condition presented we were unsure if it was safe for them both to be around each other in case either of them had harmful bugs that would harm the other. So, you know, for, I do know in some families, if, you know, that does happen, if there's a few people with CF and that's really hard, we experienced an aspect of that. And my mom lives over the road. Like we bought her house here because we really love my parents and wanted to be near them. So, you know, that was, I really feel for other people who go through that now like so we that's all been resolved we know it's safe everyone's been tested you know um it's it's safe for everybody but for like nine months we weren't sure and there was a lot more of this masking up and on top of a diagnosis that was really hard because like when you get a diagnosis you just want your family and you want the support and i i like can empathize and have a lot of compassion for other families who go to something similar or find out that their other kids had cf you know have cf or and then you're worrying about cross-contamination and different things because for a lot of families finding out that one child has cf might lead to finding out that more children have cf or that other people in the family have cf that they didn't know it's 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 a very multi-layered diagnosis in a lot of cases yeah and i I would i would say that um uh now now with um having had this experience uh just realizing that um anyone i know who's experienced any kind of um uh, chronic illness or diagnosis or long-term diseases that they've dealt with in their family i now know that we would have known a minute amount of what was actually going on and how much it spreads like you said you had all that stuff but how much it spreads and affects everything in your whole world okay so that bit of advice that that other cf mum told you which was um 
that nobody's going to say the right thing is absolute gold, 100% right. And I definitely want to um, highlight that to anyone listening who's just having a diagnosis and finding that all the conversations they have are frustrating them or they're getting angry. Uh, It's perfectly normal because we're all pissed off. (laughs) We're all annoyed. Um, But we've got each other to talk to. And that's something that I'm I'm connecting and realising as well. Um, I think I've, I don't know if I've said this to you, but I I didn't even think that I could meet other CF parents in real life because I, I thought, oh, maybe we all carry stuff, but it doesn't harm us and we could give it to each other and give it to our kids. I've I only, felt that too. Which I, I felt so too. stupid. They were like, oh, no, as long as the kids aren't there, because, again, mm-hmm. the this, this field worker said, oh, I have a coffee group and the, the mums come and meet up and it's nice and we can laugh and cry and shout and scream or whatever. And I was like, what, in person? You mean they all talk? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I could do this because that's the, the loneliness. But obviously when they're little, you can't because you're with the baby the whole time anyway. But um, That's what it, makes it hard because the, um, the, or the, the whoever the carer is is minding this kid and trying their best to make sure that they're okay and they're, you know, they're – you can't eat their opportunity isn't really always there to meet up with other people because there's so much going on and that's what makes it tough and you know there's even something that I thought I'd mentioned that you know um after Avian's diagnosis I you know was bouncing her on the exercise ball at three weeks because you know I thought I have to do this video and I don't want her to get sick and um you know I burst all my stitches and I really want to say to new moms out there you know, you should not be bouncing on an exercise ball at three weeks after a birth, particularly if you've had a really tough birth. And, you know, it just led to a myriad of problems that I really didn't need to be dealing with on top of a CF diagnosis. So, you know, one thing I would say to people is, you know, ask for help and just don't plow on, which is what I did, because I just wanted to mind my little girl so badly. And I physically felt numb at the time. So I just really was on autopilot and maybe a couple of days after bouncing I just realized oh my goodness me I'm after doing some serious damage and I remember my mom saying to me you should not be bouncing you should not be bouncing you know and my husband was doing everything he could and I was probably over bouncing because I didn't even understand the whole physio thing properly at the time and um yeah then that led to a whole range of other problems but I have great friends and I have a whatsapp group and I would usually like put a text into the WhatsApp group to say, um, like my husband won't be home in time or my dad can't do the bouncing this evening. Can someone do Avian's physio? And literally somebody would turn up on my door. And for that, I will always be so grateful. It's amazing. Yeah, That's so turn great. And they would just bounce her. But to the new moms, you know, listen to your body and don't do that bouncing. Don't well, do I that. Think, um, as a general piece of advice anyway, you know, uh, you have to look after yourself to look after your child well. Yeah. Um, and I know everyone's guilty of it. And especially when you have something like this, you don't look after yourself the same. But your mental and physical well-being is so important. So uh, one thing that everyone does that comes on the podcast is we ask them, what's your what the CF moment? So this is something that has shocked, surprised you about CF that you didn't know. It can be something that overall that you've learnt over the couple of years you've been absorbed in the CF community or it could be something that's literally just happened that you've been like, ah, oh, I didn't know that. Have you got a what the CF moment, Eilish? My what the CF moment um, was definitely to do with enzymes. I think your husband said that as well when I listened to the podcast because I just had no idea that this was 
what the disease was and that um people had had to take supplementary enzymes I just didn't even I didn't even know that was a thing so that was just completely mind-blowing to me um, and and from such a young you know they're so little you suddenly have to give them something uh, one of the mums men- mentions this as her what the CF as well because she said I, I had to kind of put my baby on solids at four days old I suddenly had to give her some apple and and these enzymes which just was a such an alien concept <laughs> and I wonder if that lady similar to me as well when any whenever anyone saw me give her the apple and the enzymes everyone kept saying but she's too young to be on solids you can't do that <laughs> I was saying I have this. This is cleared by the doctors. She needs the apples. <laughs> and everyone was so shocked. <laughs> yeah. So it was another case of um, people just not understanding. <laughs> but I totally agree. Like, like, I would say if people know anything about CF, it's a lung condition, um, yeah. which it is. But the fact that it affects other organs in the body and specifically... Mm-hmm digestion I had no idea about and like I Mm. I said in the first podcast like I'd had an experience I think I said this the first podcast about my mum's friend's son getting diagnosed about sort of 12 years old and that was basically this is the most devastating thing and he's so unwell and I mean obviously that's a very late diagnosis as well at the time um so as soon as so with Orson like because I he had salty skin as well Mm. um and as soon as he got the cough and then the cough wouldn't go away and then I remembered the saltiness because, again, you sort of get used to things. We almost got used to the cough as well. It was like a background noise. Um, but as soon as I put those together and Google, um, it was terrifying. Um, yeah. And reading about the enzymes and digestion as well, um, it's just so over- it's so overwhelming. Um, but uh, like I said, Orson is pancreatic sufficient but again while you're waiting for all this stuff you know you're you're investigating their poo and <laughs> just thinking like is that yeah. is that a cf poo is that a normal poo is that and i still do yeah. because it can change at any time and I, on yeah. a on a daily thing like i even said to ian yesterday because he'd had like four poos yesterday and i was like do you think that do you think he's got an upset stomach or do you think maybe he's changing and his his digestion isn't working as well anymore because that can happen and, and you're yeah. constantly freaking out about it so and I can imagine you're saying, does he need enzymes now? Because I know my little girl, I'm saying, does she need more enzymes? You know, I'm like, am I not getting the enzymes right? <laughs> it's like a total like poo gate, we call it in this house. <laughs> that it's like just an, an over analysis of poo, I would I would describe yeah. it. <laughs> well, which, part with children it. in general. Yeah, I like hearing these stories as well because it normalizes everything, you know, and you just think, well, actually probably every other family is probably looking at their kids too as well. And so we're, we're not on our own, uh, you know, my husband gave me really good advice. At the when start. you're Googling pictures of poo yeah. and looking yeah. at poo, it's a different world, yeah. isn't it? When you're going, yeah, yeah. does that look like that? And then you're and they're going, this is never something I ever thought I would be doing. <laughs> Describe it. Or when you're, you know, sending pictures of poo to dietitians, you know, and you're, you're just like, oh God. You know, I remember the team at the start, they said, and I said, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, like, I'm just going to send you this picture. This is just, I mean, this is just horrible for you to receive. And they just said, we get these pictures all of the time, all of the time. <laughs> they were like, send away. So you've written one book. Uh, are yeah. you going to do any more? I'd love to do more. Um, so I have uh, an idea for um, a series about a little girl called Lucy Lou, and she has CF, but it's 
that she has lots of adventures and I've one story written and it's very much that she has her daily adventures and that or can be and enzymes and apples and pet masks are just scattered in the background so that they're not the main part of the story. They're just in the background, but they're visible there for the kids to see. But That's it's cool. just to, just more um, like positive and uplifting and interesting literature for kids with CF. Because um, I think I just like I said before, I think um, they deserve to see some of their routine and their lives on a page like other kids do. So um, they're all the same. In um in New Zealand, like if people want to get their hands on a copy of Our Baby Has 65 Roses, how would they do that? So if you go to Google and type in Our Baby Has 65 Roses with the, the word 65 and put Amazon, it'll bring you to the Amazon link or on duckblue.ie, which is Ruth's fantastic website. You can get the book there or we are on Instagram on Our Baby Has 65 Roses underscore the storybook. You can message me. And I can post you directly as well. So we can sell from Amazon, from Ruth's website or directly from me as well. Um, and um, I think people will enjoy the book. A lot of people like I, it's, it's written for kids, but really for me, it's for the moms. <laughs> for your chance to win a copy of Our Baby Has 65 Roses, all you have to do is answer this question. Which country is Eilish Maroney from? So the author of the book who I'm speaking to right now, which country is she from? Um, if you would like to answer that question, please, can you email wtcfpod at gmail.com with the subject line 65 roses and just send me your answer and we will pick a winner at random and we'll post you out a copy of the book. Well, thank you so much, Eilish, for joining us on What the CF. It's been great to get to know you, great to have a chat. And I'm so pleased that you wrote your book. And I really hope that you continue to write more CF superhero stories. <laughs> thanks, Ingrid. And thanks for having me on the podcast. And I wish you all the best with it. And I think it's a really great idea. And it's helping a lot of people. And thank you again so much, Eilish Maroney, for that brilliant chat and for writing your book. Uh, so I hope you got all the details there about how to enter the competition. Uh, make sure you email your answer to whatthecfpod at gmail.com um, and you'll go into the draw to win one of those copies of the book. Um, another big thanks to Ian, my husband, obviously, for helping out with the podcast and helping with the sound and making sure that um, it's the best quality that we can get. So big shout to Ian um, and to all of you again. Thank you so much. Um, we are going to be looking for sponsors to get us support to carry on making this podcast. So if anybody knows anybody that would like to get involved and help us continue to make this podcast, because it is a lot of work, takes a lot of time and a lot of emotional energy to make. So we really want to keep making it, but a bit of support would be great. Um, you can keep in touch with us by looking at our website, whatthecf.com. You can follow us on Instagram at whatthecfpod. Uh, you can email us on wtcfpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. So a few ways for you to stay in touch. We will be back with a second series this year. So we'll keep you updated with that. And 
hopefully we'll have a few bonus podcasts popping up in between those series as well as and when things happen uh, but you can always stay in touch with us and we'll we'll keep sharing um the current episode so please spread the word and i look forward to speaking to you all again soon take care bye